This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. All of this month, we have been focused in trying to speak into the particular circumstances that so many of us have found ourselves in coming out of 2020. In fact, there have been moments when I just wanted to stop and just do a little hallelujah dance that we made it through 2020. Because it's been an incredible year for us to live through. And, and we said rightly that it left many of us overwhelmed. During January, we've talked about our fears, our overreactions, the weight of our circumstances. And I have left for the end what I think is one of the more critical elements of our overwhelming feeling, and that is what I'm calling our disappointment with God. Our disappointment with God. Because if we are truly honest with ourselves and with each other, we all have disappointments with God. We have places where our expectations have not been met, where what we assumed did not occur, and it left a bad taste in our mouth. Like when the cancer returned, when the child moved out, when our spouse cheated. When the job that we had was taken away. When the relationship that we thought we wanted and needed did not materialize. And the list goes on and on and on. We all have disappointments with God. Now we've reminded ourselves every week that God's word is a foundation and it is a help to us in the challenge of dealing with the things that overwhelm us. And every week we have read the same passage and they'll put it up on the screen. It's found in Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And I want you to stand with me please and I want us to read this out loud. I want us to read it loud enough that the devil can hear us if there is such a thing. Let's read it out loud. Come to me, all you who are weary and... The burden I give you is light. Let's begin reading. If you have your Bibles, stay, remain standing. And let's look at Matthew chapter 11. Because one of the things that I want you to understand, I, I think most of you do understand this, but in order for the Bible to work for you, you have to read the Bible in context. Meaning that you have to understand that all of these verses, they all work together. They're not separate, unique, kind of standalone things. They all work together. That verse right there is connected to all of the things that happened in chapter 11. And we're going to hang here today and see this. There's a reason why Jesus said, You can come to me when your burden is heavy, and I will give you rest. We'll start in verse 2. 
John the Baptist, who was in prison, that tells you something right there, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah that we have been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away or fall away because of me. One translation said it like that, and I put those words in the, in the parentheses. Blessed are those who are not offended because of me. You may be seated. One of the most prolific Christian writers of our lifetime is a man by the name of Philip Yancey. I say that because unlike almost any other Christian author that I've read, Yancey has the audacity to ask the hard questions that you and I sometimes have about God. A few years ago, I read his book called Disappointed with God, and he outlines three fundamental questions that human beings want to know about God. Number one, is God fair? Is God fair? Can we count on God to deal with us fairly in the issues that we bring to him. Will God be fair in the way that he treats me? Number two, is God silent? Will I be able to hear him? Will he talk to me? What does it mean to have God talk to you? I mean, I don't know if you've thought about this. Perhaps you've never even thought this particular thought before. But when you get to the end of the Old Testament and you get to the end of the prophets, before Jesus comes, there's 400 years. It's called the intertestamental period. Between the time of the Old Testament and the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, 400 years. What we are told is in that 400 years, there was no prophet. There was no voice of God. There was no oracle. There were no dreams. There were no prophetic utterances. God was apparently silent for 400 years. Never said a word. There was no LEC online. There was no Facebook on demand. There was no Christian television. They didn't have the Bible like you and I do. God was silent. That was 10 seconds. Think about 400 years and you didn't hear from God. People grew up and they spent their whole life and never heard a fresh revelation from God in all of that time. But Yancey says also we want to know if God is hidden. We need to know if God can be found. Maybe you've prayed the prayer in Psalms 22 in which the writer said, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away from me when I groan for help? All to you, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. You ever been there? When Yuri 
Gagarin in 1961, the Soviet cosmonaut, went up in the spaceship and called back to earth after he had seen the vast blackness of space he supposedly said I see no God up here he was voicing the desire of our age we want some proof you and I need evidence we need a personal appearance of a God that we've heard from so that we can know he in fact is a God that we can see a God we can feel and a God that we can know personally and that's what we've been talking about in this four weeks. That we've been talking about this desire that we have to be able to bring to God our troubles and our, our feelings of overwhelmingness. Whatever it may be, and for every person who hears me, either in this building or online, our own struggles are uniquely different to us. But we all have that same desire and we will have those moments when we bump into a place where we get disappointed with God in fact it's been over 15 years I, I thought back it's been 15 years since I wrote these words in one of my books and I, I've never forgotten this line it says this there is a tombstone in every heart where unmet expectations are buried the things that we never were explained, things that we never figured out, and we simply buried them because they become a, an anchor to our soul, and we, we, we need to move on, and so we just bury those unmet expectations. Prayers that we felt never got answered, situations that never got better, things that we thought we, we, we knew and understood. And there's a, there sometimes can be a frustration in our relationship with God because we need the answers. We're like the children in the, in the math class. We look for shortcuts. We want to get to the answer. That's what we need. We need the answer. And God's like the math teacher that says, no, you need the process. You need the work. You need to figure out because if you just get to the answer, you're not going to learn anything. In Matthew chapter 11, this is a very significant chapter that strikes at the very core of what I'm trying to describe this morning. It starts with John the Baptist. And it starts with a really, really big question, especially for someone like John. Now if you know, John was the forerunner of Jesus. Their mothers were cousins. And John came, according to the scripture, he came as a voice in the wilderness declaring, get ready, Messiah is coming. In fact, he said that. He said, I baptize you with water, but there's one that's coming after me. He's mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He preached and baptized converts. He was the one in Mark chapter 1 who was there when Jesus was baptized and he heard the voice that said, Behold, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So 18 months later, he sends his emissaries, his, his disciples to Jesus and asks a very big question. Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah that we've been looking for or should we look for someone else? You ever had somebody ask you a question when you knew that's not actually the question they wanted to ask? Your kids do that? You ever do it to your kids? 
You know, when you say, do you think those clothes on the floor will ever get up off the floor? That's not what you're asking. You're asking, why are your lazy bum not picked up your clothes? Same question here. John's question is, are you the Messiah or should we look for another is not actually what he's trying to ask. Because here's what John's trying to ask and you need to get this. Because here's a man who has spent these months in jail. Here's the question he wants to ask. Have you forgotten that I'm over here in the jail? Are you coming over here to get me out? Why haven't you come to get me out? That's the question he wanted to ask. I thought we were close. I thought we were family. I'm in jail. What are you doing about that? What changed about John? Well, 18 months of solitary confinement in Herod's jail had happened. The backstory is that John had said to King Herod, you cannot carry on an affair with your brother's wife Herodias. And it ticked the king off and so he arrested John and put him in jail where he will stay the rest of his life. He will stay right there in that jail and he will die in that jail because there is a point at which Herodias, she's so ticked off at John because of the public humiliation. She will incite her own daughter to ask Herod for John the Baptist's head. And Herod will cut off John's head and give it to his mistress. That's what changed. The unexpected turns in life when it doesn't work out the way that you thought it should. When the things that you anticipated don't happen the way that you thought. We don't know what happened in those prison days and there's no way to actually tell how long John was in prison. But what we do know is that he was in jail long enough that he started entertaining doubts about Jesus. Some of you have served the Lord a long time. But if you're honest, there are places in your life that if you're not careful, if you linger long enough in those places, you will start having doubts about God. John says, are you the Christ or should we look for another? Sounds like questions that I've asked or that have been asked of me over the years, something like this one. What good does it do to pray about things if God is going to do whatever he chooses anyway? Or what about this one? My father served the Lord his whole life and I don't understand why God let him suffer like this. Or maybe this one. I've been faithful to God. I've never failed to pay my tithes and do everything that God ever asked me. Why would God allow somebody to come into my business and steal everything I've worked my whole life for? It's a strange question for John to ask because he's the very one who declared to the people, look, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The difference is his circumstances have changed now. The long days of prison, the prospects of dying there have allowed doubt and disappointment to creep in.
And every one of us in this room can learn something from what we're talking about because if you linger too long in your places of disappointment, it turns into doubt. And at some level, disappointment is a very human experience. And we all have it. We all deal with it. The problem is that if we allow it to fester, it becomes something more. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe your disappointment is in health. Your cancer has returned. The medicine hasn't worked. The doctor seems to have lost interest in helping you. Your medical bills are piling up and you're disappointed that it isn't going better. Or maybe it's in your finances. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe the unemployment benefits have run out or that they're very slow in coming. Your household has had to tighten its belt because of less income and you've been tempted to stop your partnership with God. Maybe it's in your family. There have been problems in your marriage. There have been problems raising your kids. It's been hard in 2020 doing school from home, working from home, trying to find quality time to keep your family going in the right direction and you're disappointed. Maybe it's in your career. Your career is on hold and you don't know how to move it forward. Your plans have gotten derailed and the, the people that you've worked for all these years, they no longer need your skill set. Maybe your disappointment is in the relationships that you have. Maybe what we had hoped for did not materialize. Maybe you're sitting here and you thought you'd be married right now. Or someone that you cared about or someone that you were interested in is telling you they're not interested in you in the same way. And you're disappointed. Maybe it's a church thing. You know, it's been very unique this year. I don't care what anybody says. I've lived in the middle of it with our staff and our elders. But the starting and stopping of our church services and the struggle to make progress with the vision that we think God has given us has made it very difficult for us in our church. We've been disappointed. You see, sometimes our perspective shapes our sense of disappointment. What we see, what we don't see, what we thought we would see, what we were hoping to see, what we were expecting to see. See, that's what's going on with John. Before prison, he was full in. He was clamoring to do the work of God. He was preaching and people were coming, but nobody's coming now. He's alone in that jail cell. And the longer that he sits there, if he's not careful... He hears all this stuff about Jesus and he wonders why this Jesus doesn't come and help him. Maybe you're in that place. You hear people talking about miracles. You hear people talking about things God does for them and you're thinking God's not doing anything at our house. And you get disappointed. Someone said to me not too long ago, wrote to me and said, Pastor, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I've just prayed, I've prayed, I've been praying for the same thing for years and it feels like God's not hearing me. A woman stopped me after church this past Sunday morning and said, Pastor, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe doubt is real? I said, I'm preaching on it Sunday. She said, well, I don't, I don't know how to explain it to people who are asking me about doubt and disappointment. 
See, I'm telling you, it's very real for all of us, no matter who we are. And as I thought about it this week, I thought about something Paul said at the very end of that great 13th chapter in Corinthians where he's talking about love and the power of love. And he talks about revelation. He says this. He said, you and I, we are looking through a glass darkly. We don't see everything that we will see now or that we will see later. And because we don't see everything, we are tempted to think it isn't there. The promises of God aren't there. But it's because we see darkly. We don't see everything. We're not able to see everything. So hear me. With as much sincerity as I can muster, this is what I'm telling you. This is your takeaway from church today. Just because he doesn't do what you think he should do doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing. I'll say it again. Just because he doesn't do what you think he ought to do doesn't mean he isn't do, doesn't know what he's doing. Let me show it to you. So have your Bibles open. Look at verse 16. After Jesus has talked about how great John the Baptist was, he said, to what would I liken this generation? He said, it's like children playing in a public square. They complain to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. I think God, Jesus was trying to say, listen, just because I don't do everything the way that you want me to do it doesn't mean I don't know what I'm doing. Because let's be honest. We preach about a Jesus who rides in on the white horse and slays our adversaries and incites us to incredible freedom. And he does. But sometimes he makes us go through a different process. And we have to decide whether or not we believe the Lord. You know, one of the harder things in life is understanding sometimes that things are not always as they appear to us. Through the Bible, you see stories like Joseph whose life looked like it was a shipwreck, only to realize at the end that we see how God has been working the whole time. Or the story of crucifixion, which looks like the utter failure of God's redemptive plan, only to realize that the stone is going to be rolled away and victory is going to belong to God's people for all of eternity. Sometimes our disappointment is the result of not accepting that we cannot always see what God sees or know what God knows. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, said the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine because just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So this is where faith and trust helps us. We believe that God is big enough, powerful enough. If we do, 
then we can accept that sometimes what looks like a tragedy may in fact have more to the story than we can see. Because just because he doesn't do what I think he should does not mean that he doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm going to finish by showing you this. Look in your Bible to John chapter 11. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 11. It's a story you've read most of your life if you've been around the church. It's a tremendous story about disappointment, especially as it relates to the sisters of Lazarus. Start with verse 4. I'm not going to read the whole story, but start with verse 4. When Jesus heard it, the word has come to Jesus that Lazarus is, is sick, very sick. It says, verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Read verse 5 very slowly. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he loved them. Verse 6 says, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And when he shows up. Lazarus sister, Lazarus sister comes to Jesus. And in essence this is what she said. This is not the King James version. This is the Bill Isaacs version. She says if you were who I thought you were. You'd have been here when my brother was sick. When I first called for you. And Jesus said to her, listen, your, son, your brother will live again in the resurrection. And she said, I know he will in the resurrection, but I wasn't asking you about the resurrection. I needed you here now. You ever wonder how God reacts to that? God, I need you now. I know what that meant when my mother said that. That meant you put your toys down and you get your honey over here now. That's not... The way God received that, in case you're wondering. Just because he doesn't do what I think that he should do, doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing. The story is a classic example, both stories are a classic example of what I think trips you and I up so much. And that is that as a people, as believers... We are in love with the miraculous. We're in love with the miraculous. We love the stories of broken legs being healed and blinded eyes being opened. Someone called me this week from the church and God gave them an incredible financial miracle out of nowhere. We love that. In fact, when she called me, she was like shrieking. She was so excited. We love the miraculous. God's in love with the process. We love the miraculous. God loves the process. I'll tell you how I know that. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. I've told you this so many times. It's one of the verses in the Bible that I've had the most struggle with as a believer. Here's what it says. We know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. 
And notice what 29 says. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the process. God brings all things together in a process. And it may not happen as fast as I want it. It may not come together the way that I want it. But God has a bigger plan than meeting my expectations. So listen. Sometimes God allows you to go through the fire. Sometimes the miracle is the daily grace by which God keeps you going when you don't have the strength to go on your own. Sometimes he tells John the Baptist, I'm not coming to get you, John, but I hope you don't lose your faith because of that. I've thought hard for several days about how I wanted to end this message. And I think that the way I want to end this message is to remind you that Oftentimes, your disappointment with God comes when you get your eyes on the wrong part of your relationship with God. Don't be angry because I said that, but it's the truth. We get our eyes on the wrong part of our relationship with God. Sometimes we've preached so much about God that rescues that we forget that sometimes God's plan is grace to get you through. Sometimes the miracle is God holding you in His arms to get you through the process. If you don't like the process, then don't read Hebrews chapter 11. You'll get frustrated. Because in that great chapter of the hall of faith of those who have trusted God with all of their life are the stories of mothers who lost their children. And believers who died at the edge of the sword or were fed to the lions. Same people that the writer said loved God with all of their heart and their great faith was recognized by God. Sometimes God's not going to get you out. Sometimes He's going to get you through. Don't get disappointed by that. His grace in the fire is just as great as His grace in the miracle. His power to keep you alive when everybody said you wouldn't make it is just as great as absolute deliverance. If you and I assume that God will always deliver us, we are bound to be disappointed. If we assume that God will always prevent our pain, we're going to be disappointed. If we assume that God will never let us go through a hardship, we're going to be disappointed. If we assume that God will not allow us to be hurt by others, we're going to be disappointed. Remember what the Bible said, because Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, He stayed where He was for two more days.
Is God fair? Is God silent? Can you find him? Or have you been looking for God in the wrong place? Here's what I came to the conclusion this week. At some point in our faith, we have to come to this conclusion. Jesus is enough. If I never walk again, Jesus is enough. If I never dig myself out of this financial hole, my Jesus is enough. My kids never serve the Lord. Jesus is enough. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.